Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Good morning. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, I'm with uh, teleprompter's not working, <laughs> technical issues. Anyway, I'm looking forward to having a conversation with Charlie Weaving, the managing partner of Livid Hospitality, uh, whose brands are well known in Dubai, Cove Beach, and the recently opened uh, The Bungalow at La Mer. Uh, we're, we're going to be talking about the impact of COVID-19 on the F&B industry in general, uh, Livid Hospitality's purpose, how it was set up as a F&B group in Dubai, and also talking about the, the summer months and how uh, people are adapting to outdoor venues and the trends that we'll see in the industry. Uh, good morning, Charlie. Good morning. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you. Uh, you're, you're working from home somewhere. I, I assume I I am today. Yeah, I did I did I did manage to get the office open, but we have a hospital um, on the top floor of our building, and I think there was some movement this week uh, with centralising some patients and things like that. So I just wanted to I, I closed it again for this week. We'll get it open on on Sunday. I just wanted to make sure that everything was was okay for the team. Okay, uh, so uh, just describe uh, to people. Uh, live in hospitality, how many kind of staff you have in an operation level and, and how you've adapted to COVID-19? Okay, so we opened um, Livet uh, Hospitality here in Dubai um, just one year ago. It's pretty new. I've been based here for 15 years myself in the industry, born and raised in the industry. I opened it with some, uh, some great friends, uh, Mr. Munim Zawawi and Mr. Adil Ghazawi. Sounds similar, but not, not related. Um, they were the owners and founders of Cove Beach. Um, and the idea behind Livet Hospitality Management was to grow the brand Cove Beach into, into different locations and the hotel resort model of Cove Beach as well. And also um, work alongside other partners that we have here in the region with creating homegrown content here um, because I'm the, I um, wave the flag for Dubai as being the highest standard in the world when it comes to F&B and hospitality. Um, and I think the time has gone when we have to import uh, international brands. Mm. I think now it's time Dubai is strong enough to create its own, own homegrown brands and export those. Mm. Um, so they're the two focuses really, homegrown brands, exporting them and, um, and growing the Cove Beach brand as well, which we've done very successfully in a, in a very short period of time. Interesting. Yeah. So just to give people a bit of context around hospitality groups, because a lot of people will be familiar with the F&B industry, the household names, the brands, the venues that they frequent, and they'll see a lot of the kind of activity online and, you know, they recommend them to their friends. But generally, uh, usually the venues are associated with a group, with a hospitality group. Is that the case in every market? Um, how do you kind of set up and establish a hospitality group and what does the group do? Does it own the, uh, I could ask a few more questions, but just in general, yeah. in terms of the, the hospitality group setup, uh, structurally, what is that? 
Yeah, so, I mean, there is obviously individual players in, in the market who own and operate their own venues. Um, what we do is more fully comprehensive um, management. So, um, generally, I mean, we, we have different um, segments within our business model, but I'm just talking about the first segment at the moment is mainly um, uh, overall management of the of the venue. So we just add another layer in between the in-house management and the um, and the asset owner to make sure that every box is covered, uh, every, every box is ticked. Um, the business is, is running up to the high standard, um, as profitable as, as possible. And then we grow the business out for them. Um, we do a lot of work with Miraz. We do a lot of work with the minor hotel group where we bring in a, a specialist um, F&B, predominantly hospitality, hospitality service where we have uh, back-end infrastructure of the best hospitality legal people, the best hospitality HR, mm. procurement, finance, etc., and and corporate chefs and directors of operations, just to 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 take on on, on these businesses and, and grow them for the for the asset owners. Interesting. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at. The in terms of you know, someone might run and manage their own restaurant. They might be a chef. Uh, they might be very good at that, but. Uh, there's that kind of layer that goes on behind the scenes in terms of the business operations uh, that that say live at hospitality will be involved in as well as well as owning your own. Uh, and you mentioned a, a couple of the kind of areas that you can support in. Um, kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but is is does that uniquely position you now to be a little bit more agile? than say the the venue that has had to lock their door in terms of digital and um, adapting to the current situation. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think that we're 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 at the top of our game. We're constantly adapting our strategy. We've um, we've made a few uh, a few a few moves to to make sure that that, that everything is under control. Um, we we're constantly communicate. Communication for me is, is the, has been the key within this um, within this pandemic, communicating with the teams to make sure that they understand that, listen, we're here, we're going through it with you, we're still going to be supporting you, and we're going to get out of this stronger together at the end, communicating with suppliers across the board to say, listen, uh, we're all in this together, um, um, we're going to take care of you, we're going to keep working with you, and um, and yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's been hard, but, but um, what things are relaxing a little bit now getting back to get, whether it'll ever be absolutely normal again I think it I think it might get quite uh, quite close to normal um, but we're looking we're, we're looking forward we're, we're, we're feeling positive and we're uh, never bend down without picking something up you know it's been a bloodbath for everyone mm. we're looking forward um, very much towards the September time that's when we're gearing up we've got a couple of um, we've got Cove Beach Abu Dhabi opening up in September in Makers District with Imkan. We've got a very exciting new project going into the Avani Hotel in Ibn Battuta. Um, another project uh, coming into Dubai as well, which isn't signed yet, so I, I can't really say much about that. Um, we do have um, a project in Ibiza as well, STK Ibiza, um, which we're going to be getting open in, on the 9th of July. So Europe's going going a little bit quicker than, than um, what we're doing here. 
And then uh, we're going into the new year and we're looking at, at 2021 as being a very, very exciting year. In these times, um, opportunities uh, do arise. That's great. So overall, the sentiment is looking to the future, positive, uh, not a drastic wholesale change in the industry, just a disruption and then a, a gradual reintroduction. Yeah, exactly. And, and obviously people are going to, due to what's happened, people are going to think differently about um, how they party, how they have dinner, etc. People are going to be naturally more hygiene conscious. Mm. Um, I think the, the um, rules that have been put in place are very workable. I don't see why it's a problem for a waiter to be wearing a mask and, and gloves and the uh, tables being sanitized correctly and and the cutlery and crockery being washed in a different way to make sure it's a hundred percent sterile. Mm. Um, I think those are all things um, moving forward that, that that you can keep in place. And I think people are going to expect you to keep them in place. Mm. And um, even down to the spacing of the tables. I mean, does anyone really want to be sat less than two meters away from another group of people that they don't know? I personally don't don't yeah. like that. So. If you're fortunate enough to have the space and you can get the numbers in to, to make it still commercially viable mm. with having that distance, why not have that distance? Interesting. A lot of Dubai venues do have the space, which is one of the kind of benefits. And as you mentioned as well, you know, that Dubai does have uh, some of the best hotels and some of the best hospitality uh, service anyway. So it's uniquely positioned. Um, just going back to, you know, your venues are a lot to do with quality of, of produce, but also in the experience. Um, is is that difficult to uh, to kind of you know some venues have been able to keep going with delivery and uh, with digital uh, adoption? Uh, has that been difficult to adapt for for the venues that you manage? I mean, the, de the delivery elements not not being um, not being too difficult. Um, and the, the spacing element has hasn't been too difficult either. Um, no, I, as in, I'm sorry, the you know the kind of um, food venues that that use delivery apps or have their own to home service. Have you kind of some of the there's some trends in the F and B industry to bring people to bring the experience to people's homes um, as they yeah, work absolutely. from home uh, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to thinking out of the box, isn't it? You know, it's not—it's no longer just cruise control. Um, you know, you need to find more revenue streams. And I think again, it comes back to people's mentalities. You know, a lot of people here have um, have pools in their garden, for example. They might want to once we get out of this a little bit more. Um, instead of going to a busy pool venue or beach venue, for example, they might want the venue to come to them. The same when it comes to to um, restaurants as well. I think there's going to be a big growth spurt in taking the experience to people's homes. And I think that could end up being a, a good uh, revenue stream as well, together with um, hotel suites. Mm, um, interesting. People rent, renting hotel suites and taking the, the experience of the venues within the hotel into the suites for people and, and providing that, that, that convenience. A, a, a unique thing um, that I experienced recently was um the the first uh boat party went out not not boat party but um boat experience um big separations between tables etc 
Uh, I thought people were very sensible and um, it worked very well. But the best thing that I took out of that was obviously because you're not allowed to go to the bar because you don't want people congregating. So they bring the bar to you. Mm. So no longer do you have to stand up and go to the bar. <laughs> you can stay at your table and get served on your table. So, yeah. so the, customer, the customer is actually going to win out of this. They just get more bespoke private service and experiences, which is, which is great. Exactly. <laughs> and a more comfortable space. Yeah. Yeah. And you, the two venues that we mentioned, Cove Beach in Dubai and also the bungalow are in uh, two kind of up and coming luxury areas and uh, Blue Waters and then La Mer. Uh, can you talk about a bit of the decision making process of why you choose those areas and um, what do you think people can uh, look forward to in the future from those destinations? Oh, Blue Waters, obviously, it's going to be iconic with uh, with the big wheel. Um, we have a great relationship with Caesars Palace. We actually operated Cove Beach um, at the Venus Pool in Las Vegas last, last season. That was supposed to be a seasonal thing, but obviously with, with what's happening, um, that's not happened. So it was a, a relationship with, with Miraz and with Caesars Palace. And um, we just found a great space, 90,000 square feet, just most incredible space you could imagine and with bungalow again due to our relationship with <clears throat> with miraz obviously we're we're inside um the laguna water park which is a, a another signature asset of of miraz and we just saw um amazing growth potential with that product we wanted to do something that was um super casual accessible fun but still with the the um, food standards, the service standards that, that people expect um, within Dubai, and the growth potential at Bungalow is incredible. The space itself is is huge. Um, we've also got a big backyard where we we plan to be doing um, little mini concerts, which we're going to have to rethink now in the Bungalow's backyard, and actually grow out into the water park and start doing some nighttime events in the water park, etc. And, and then it will then it it turns into a very um, unique, um, but um, uh, the, the big potential product. Mm. So what do you think the secret is to uh, attracting a vibe and an experience and making a place, you know, an it place to go to? <clears throat> do, do you think it, how do you do it? <laughs> Can't give away all the secrets. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been twenty years of uh, of making mistakes to find the correct formula, and there is a correct formula. It does come down to to um, uh, the brand, the look, the feel, the elements within the venue. Um, I try to tick as many boxes as possible. For example, with with bungalow, you've got the, the TVs, you've got the sports, you've got the gaming element, you've got the outdoor element, you've got the inside element, you've got the lounging element, you've got the restaurant element, um, tick as many boxes as possible. And um, But it also comes down to the whole flow with inside the venue, where, where, where people come in, where people are positioned, positioning the right groups in the right place to build the vibe. Lighting is incredibly important. Um, music, not only the style of music, and uh, the adaptation of, of entertainers as well. And we, we, we really like an open format model. So a lot of our DJs, um, you know, they can do a really long four hour um, 
tech house set, for example, but they can also do an R&B and hip hop set and, and they work the crowd, they're, they're testing it all the time. What mm. is the crowd reacting to best? And then, and then they go that direction. That's something that we really, we really focus on. And it, it's a series of, of things that if you're not completely immersed in the industry, you, 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 you can't, you can't understand how, um, how to position everything. It's, it's like a jigsaw. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know too much about it. So it's always fascinating to see how places become popular. And, you know, when you go as a consumer, you just, you know, that they've done a lot of things right in terms of experience and, and things like that. So uh, I was just wondering, you know, it's interesting to say that you do, that there is a formula. In terms of a formula might be experience and trial and error, but going back to what you said earlier about taking Cove Beach and bringing it elsewhere, uh, is it plug and play, or do you? How do you? How do you set up Cove Beach in, say, Bali? How do you make it uh, work there? It, it, first of all, you need to get everything one hundred percent right before you even think about taking it to, mm. to, to 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 different places. It took us a while to to get everything in order. We feel now that we have the infrastructure within Livit, which which manages the asset, um, and we feel that. We have we've ironed out all of our um, all of our normal issues that new businesses have, and then it's about um, the, the model that I like to, to use is uh, 50, 25, 25. So you have fifty percent the original product look feel um, you highlight which elements are essential to the business, whether it's the zoning side, it must have a lounge, it must have a certain amount of swimming pools, it must have a 2.0 restaurant, it must have um, a beach, it must have the artwork element, etc. Um, then we look at, so, so rolling out, you've got 50% the original model with the elements that are absolutely essential, 25% the region that you're going into, and I say that for example, okay, in Dubai, our restaurant, you know, we, we might be serving uh, great sushi and using a certain type of fish. In Africa, when we roll it out to Africa, for example, that fish just isn't, it, it could be available, but not up, up to the highest standard, uh, but there could be the most amazing fish that, that you can work with that's, that's regional. Mm. So you're adapting 25% of the region. That might also um, be an element with the music, for example. Mm. Um, and then and then you're... you're taking into consideration another 25% of the wishes of the asset owner. What, what is his vision? What is his overall expecta expectations? And what is his overall end goal mm. with, with the product? Uh, interesting. And, but Sorry, but to, to go back to your question, you, you, we've got it to a stage now where it is pr pretty much plug and play. That, that's great. Yeah, because we see, as you mentioned before, brands that come here and it does feel as if they've spent a long time uh, say Nikki Beach, for example, I don't know exactly, but maybe it's going 10, 20 years, it's in many other countries, and then it comes here and you, you think that they've trial and tested for a while, um, and you wonder maybe that experience might work. I think I remember uh, reading about uh, a burger chain in the US, Five Guys, uh, which is synonymous around the world, but they, they only had one venue after 17 years. So they, they had the same venue for 17 years before they even thought they were ready. So, um, yeah. I, and do, how, how have you got to that point so quickly with Cove Beach? Is it, is it something that you knew from day one that you kind of hit on something that's a, 
that's a mixture of all those things and that is a strong brand? We, we invested in, in our infrastructure to make sure that we had the absolute best corporate chef, the best director of operations, the best marketing team, the best PR team, etc. And, um, and oh, we, didn't wait, we didn't wait 17 years like, like five guys, especially when, when it's, um, it's so simple, but respect to them, they've done very well. <laughs> um, we, just, we just wanted to get all of our ducks in a row, everything packaged up, we expedited it faster with with investment in our infrastructure, and um, and ready to to make the move. I think the difference the difference of what Livit does versus some other brands is that we have the brands, but we also have the comprehensive management. Mm. So we won't just license a brand. There's lots of brands that say, okay, give us X amount of money, we'll put the the name above the door, we'll send you these are our guidelines. Now crack on. Mm. We don't do that. We are the, the, the brand and the operator. Okay. If we're the operator, we can make sure that it's constantly up to the standard of the brand. And I think we have enough common sense and experience between us um, to be able to adapt it, adapt it to whatever territory we're in. That Okay, if it needs a little tweak, then we, we give it that little tweak. Is there, a, excuse my ignorance, but is there a, a, a specific trend or a term for the type of venues that you operate with music and entertainment and food and beach and, and and things like that is is that a specific niche uh i mean we we prefer the word, word lifestyle yeah um and we we operate across all segments of the sector so we do three star products all the way up to seven star product hmm. it depends on what the opportunity is in hand we don't pigeonhole ourselves we believe there's there's opportunities and there's money to be made across the board. And talking about the money side of it, uh, the F&B industry is, you know, known to have kind of lowish margins, but scale and, and, and things like that. So maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but 5 to 10% operating margin might be a standard. Uh, how, how, how do you work with that? Is that possible to achieve with high overheads and uh, setup fees? Uh, do you have to treat it like an initial upfront? So, um, you know, almost like a tech company where you have to invest a lot upfront before you can see a return? Or how do you look at it? There's various different ways of, of, of skinning a cap. Um, yeah. there's, there's lots of people that prefer to do, lots of landlords now that prefer to do a JV model where, where you bring the brand and you bring the management and, um, and you, you do a, a percentage split. Um, we would never do anything that had an EBITDA less than uh, 25%. I think that's average for the for the sector. That's that becomes difficult with um, high-end products with high-end rents. Mm. Um, the business is, a, is an incredible business. Um, it's a very very difficult business to get right. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of horror stories of people with a lot of money who wanted to want to get into the business because it's been their dream to have a restaurant or a club or a beach club or whatever. And um, it can go either way. It can be the, the worst business in the world because it, it does have a habit of eating money to keep those standards if you're, if, if, if you're not, um, not on the ball. But when you hit the sweet spot, um, it's the best business in the world. Interesting. Because it's a lifestyle as well. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about this region a little bit more, but just going back to 
that. And uh, I read your profile on the the Livis uh, website, and you have you've had a wealth of experience, as you said. But you know the UK market very well from hotel, from um, nightlife and entertainment. Uh, how do you think that differs to here? Do do you think you could be doing living hospitality in the UK as well at the moment? Uh, and yeah, how how's your passion grown for this region? I've been, uh, I, I love this place. This is, Dubai is, is my home. I've been here 15 years. Um, I was traveling on my way to Asia in uh, 2005 and I stayed in the marina in Alpha Tame Tower hmm. on, a, on a high level um, floor. And I looked out at the development of Dubai Marina and I said, listen, I've got to, I've got to be here. This is where the opportunities are. I went back home, I packed up and, and I moved here with, with nothing and I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, when it comes to the focus on UK and Europe, obviously we, we have interests in the UK and Europe um, and LIVIT focuses internationally. Um, our main focus, we're open to any opportunity and we, 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 we have an idea of where we want to go, but it all depends on the local partner, the situation, you know, it, we're open to anything. Um, Africa is a big one for us. We've got a lot going on in Africa. Um, Asia is the, the, the focus point for us as well. Where, where um, in Africa, middle, for example? We, we, we've signed uh, four hotels in Ethiopia. Oh, wow. So um, uh, Ethiopia is incredible. Mm. What a beautiful country and, and a great opportunity. Mm. Um, yeah, Africa is a, 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 a big sweet spot. Um, Benin, we're doing cold beach resorts in Benin. Wow. We're doing cold beach resorts in Ivory Coast. And we're doing cold beach resorts in um, Cape Verde. Oh, really? Now, the beauty of this and, and how we can and how we're supporting our, um, our peers in, in, the, in our sector here is everything that we're doing in, in Africa and, and potentially soon in Asia as well is all Dubai driven. So all of our legal contracts are getting done by Dubai lawyers. All of our interior design, uh, architectural design is getting done by Dubai architects and Dubai designers. All of our marketing is being channeled through um, Dubai marketing agencies. Mm. Our um, hit teams, which go into these businesses to get things on the feet, are all people that we employ here in Dubai as well. So that's, uh, that's, that's something that I think, even though we're expanding into, into different countries, um, we're still pumping our sector here in Dubai as well. This, this, right, right, right. <laughs> so you yeah, clearly no it's amazing and also you know you've obviously seen it grow and i think that's a good to have that perspective now makes i think people who've gone through a tough few months uh, have confidence that it's going to bounce back and you know I, I you know i think um you know the potential of dubai in the region is is enormous like we sometimes suspect in our space and media but also in the fmb you think of uh the current population but actually if if this city grows in the way that uh big global cities grew uh in the last few decades and the last century then this city can grow 10 times bigger uh in in different ways so i think it's interesting to look at it that way as well like, like, say, you know, now, uh, uh, I mean, we, we obviously, you know, we, we've had, um, sorry to interrupt you. Um, you know, we've seen elements of saturation, certainly within the, the high end 
restaurant market and high-end nightclub market. Um, I think that's stabilised now. There is opportunities. I personally feel that we need to put in a few more accessible product products into the market with a slightly lower price point. Mm. Um, I, I think there is a slight gap there, and I, and I and I think I, I think um, you know. Dubai will always get it right. We always come out strong. We always work the correct formula to to, to make it happen. Tourists love Dubai. I saw um, an article the other day um, through British Tourism Association or whatever it was, and it showed the searches from April from British people um, searching for flights and hotels online. And it showed 2019 versus 2020, and it showed um, May, June, July, August, the searches were about 50% less than 2019. Mm. But September, October, November, December, they were nearly double to wow. 2019. And the top three countries were, for the UK uh, tourists, Spain, USA, and UAE. That's amazing. That's really interesting. So that's that, yeah. positive. Yeah, on, on many levels, that's interesting. Uh, especially, you know, because you hear the trends that people are afraid to travel. So it's really good insight and statistic there. And also, they say that the currency out of the UK at the moment isn't favorable uh, to the UAE, but it's actually, it shows the kind of pulling power, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I think people were scared of traveling in that, throughout the summer, obviously, because of what's going on. But I think people are gearing up now and changing the, their, their trends um, to this last quarter. Mm. I think this last quarter here in Dubai is going to be incredible, especially with the, the British tourists. You know, the, the, the government in, in the UK have done an excellent job as well uh, at supporting businesses and obviously um, furloughing with, with uh, staff and things like that. So my theory is that the <clears throat> UK is going to come out of this stronger as well because, uh, you know, the guys are there, they've been trapped at home, they've been getting 80% of their salary, but they've probably only been spending half of what they would normally spend because they haven't been able to go out. And I think once those restrictions are, are lifted in, in um, both areas, mm. I think they're going to come flooding in. Yeah. And obviously they're, they're not the predominant tourists for, for the UAE, but I, I think they, they play a big part yeah. of, um, of tourism for the UAE. And, and obviously they, they, they're a party crowd, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They like they like going out and eating yeah. and drinking, etc. Yeah, exactly. And of course, the people have been going to different Emirates, and you know that are of different rules as well. Uh, but again, you know, obviously your your venues will have a lot of guidelines in place, and then people, you know, w might behave a bit differently. But in general, the service and the experience will still be there. Absolutely. Just going back a question about operating out of Dubai for other markets, does that put pressure on the overheads and the margins in those countries? Uh, or how do you view that in terms of staff and resources on, say, Dubai yeah. salaries? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, let's take Africa for an example, Ethiopia, incredible market. Um, the capital of uh, the headquarters for the United Nations, headquarters for African nations, more um, embassies than any other city in the world. It's a very, very, Addis Ababa is a very, very um, diplomatic city. Mm. Um, there's plenty of asset owners there that, that understand that there's not enough hotel rooms. There's not enough F&B offering. 
there's a, a very high population of people with disposable income that need um, better experiences there. And um, uh, we're only three hours away from Ethiopia here in Dubai, one hour time difference, I believe, uh, from, from Addis Ababa. Um, and our partners in those territories are, are actually not only from a service perspective, but from um, a product perspective as well, they're, they're buying uh, glass for their buildings from Dubai, they're buying cement from Dubai for their buildings, they're even buying uh, vehicles from Dubai and exporting them over to Ethiopia. Uh, obviously, there's, there's a, a big difference in, in um, uh, payroll, etc. But um, the revenue generated from these hotel projects, especially in Addis Ababa, are not far off the same revenue gen that you would be generating here in Dubai. Wow. So if you've got a base team, which are local, and then you're injecting um, the talent from Dubai, which, which is obviously a lot higher payroll, it still keeps your overall payroll 10% less than any other country in the world because the, the base team is very, very low mm. price-wise. And um, the income and the profitability is, 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 is very high. You know, a hotel room in, in Addis Ababa is two to three hundred euros a night, mm. uh, dollars a night, mm. if you can get one. Wow. Going out and, and dining, I mean, you're very, very limited. Um, it's like uh, Dubai 15 years ago. The, the nice restaurants are only in um, the higher-end hotels, but mm. they're hotel-operated restaurants. <clears throat> they're not specialists lifestyle hospitality operated restaurants. Um, the, the opportunity there is, is insane. The price point is, is similar to Dubai. And, and um, yeah, when you look at it on paper, you think, wow, okay, that's a bit, a bit shocking. You know, how can the partners agree to that? But when you actually look at your operating budget, it all works. And, and a lot of the partners are saying, listen, we're, we're bringing you guys in because we need that international standard we need that international support we need that those international brands and if we're not doing this half-hearted you know we're yeah we're wealthy people there's a lot of money in africa and they they want to do it properly it's actually interesting to hear that kind of hub and spoke model and uh, to focus on dubai because um a lot of a lot of companies maybe not as much in the fmb sector but in the services sector might have uh, call centers in other cheaper markets or might outsource different things. And I think uh, even in the media sector, we might look at other countries uh, in the region. And by, by doing what you're doing and by learning from that, people can, uh, you know, not just see as Dubai as, you know, the most expensive place to have staff, but there's you know, a more maturity that it's not just, say, in the past where it's mercenaries and it's, seen as a small synth, but you can actually have a regional or a global, in your case, headquarters here with everything done from here. And then in that, in that uh, kind of partnership local model yeah. as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's quite interesting. You said that about the call centers here. Yeah. It's not, it's not far off. You know, we, 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 we know that he has got the, the, the best talent pool in the world, in my opinion, when it comes to the, the, the staff for our sector and, and we're right in the middle of the world. It's easy for us to, to get everywhere. And um, people want our standards. People come to Dubai because we're, it's the most luxurious, it's the most high standards. And now we just looked at it, at, okay, let's, let's export our standards. Mm. 
Interesting. Talking about talent and staff, uh, how do you go about training people in, uh, you know, are they from hospitality courses in Dubai? Do you bring them in? How do you get them on brands? And, uh, and also, how have you kind of worked with that in the last few months, uh, obviously, without the venues being open? I mean, we have dedicated uh, training managers who, who are constantly in the venues focusing on the training. Mm. We have um, all of our uh, manuals to, to a very, very high standard, which has been all of our different experiences put into, into place. Um, and regarding operating outside of Dubai, we, we have a hit team. So we send in um, a couple of operations managers. We send in our corporate head chef. Uh, we send in our HR manager, we send in one of our finance guys, we send in our beverage manager, and they go into these venues about uh, uh, two months prior to opening. Super, super aggressive training program, and then they stay in the venues until they are confident that everyone is up to standard. Okay. And then on a, every two-week basis, you'll get one of those departments going over to check up and brush up on, on what's happening and what's being done to make sure that we're operating to the standard that we need. And, and uh, moving forward on that as well, uh, the career opportunities for people in your venues, uh, working upwards, uh, getting promotions and things like that, and going to other uh, places around the world, is that something that you look to establish and, and encourage? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone that's in, that's in our corporate office now has grown through the ranks, whether it's in our venues, whether it's in partners' venues, whether it's in my own personal venues, whether it's I've worked with them 10 years ago, 15 years ago in the past. Um, we, we love to grow. We love to see people coming through the ranks. And that's a big ethos for us. We don't just go out and get the big CV from, from the guy and who's got the best qualifications. We want people to have come through our ranks and be rewarded for the hard work and commitment that they've given to, to us or me or my partners over the years. Given your uh, location here, I'm sure you've looked at Saudi Arabia. What are, what are your views on that market? Have you anything in the pipeline there? And how would you tailor your product uh, for that market? I mean, it's a very, very exciting market. Um, we have had uh, opportunities come in front of us for Saudi Arabia, obviously, and they continue to come. Um, my partner, uh, Adel Ghazawi, is actually uh, quite a prominent uh, businessman from Saudi Arabia. Mm. So I'm really letting him take the lead on that because when he says, okay, the, this is the right opportunity, mm. then um, then we'll pull the trigger. And the right time as well. Uh, yeah. The right time. Because, the, uh, and you know, I think part of the kind of Vision 2030 over there is a lot to do with hospitality staff and uh, providing employment to Saudi nationals in venues and things like that. Would that play a, a part? You mentioned, you know, at Asaba, there's a lot of staff there that can work in your venues. Is that something that you would, that 25% that, that your venues in Saudi would be uh, managed and operated by uh, local uh, people? Absolutely. Absolutely. If, 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 if you've got the heart for the business hmm. and you really want the job, anybody is trainable so and when when yeah please continue yeah sorry yeah and 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 whether they're new to the business or or, or 
they've been in a different part of the business. Um, when when you when you train, it's it's not only an advantage for the business; it also gives um, the team member that you that, that you're training, um, you know, a, a, a real uh, passion, and, and and it shows them that the the operator is is investing in them as well. Mm. You know, if you've got people on on um, two week payroll. Um, that, that you're paying the, the, the payroll prior to opening, people are thinking, wow, you know, these guys are, are paying me, they're not even open, they're paying to invest their time and energy into me. Mm. And that that gives you um, a lot of loyalty moving forward as well. People are less likely just to, when things get a bit tough, the, and, and it's been a 15-hour shift and it's hot and it's outside, they're less likely to, uh, to throw in the towel. And just going back to Saudi, how, how do you view that market? Would you do something... Uh, on the coast in Jeddah or in Daman, would you do something in Riyadh or would you wait for, say, the Red Sea development to uh, come up? Or do you, do you look at them all as opportunities? I, I was about to <laughs> say that. I don't, I don't pigeonhole anything. I, I don't, I, obviously, I, I take note of what's going on and what potential opportunities and what could be the ideal opportunity. But it all comes down to what is that specific opportunity? Who is the local partner? What do they bring to the table? What is the bigger plan? And um, so, yeah. So, yeah, you assess everything individually. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to ask a little bit about the future and digital trends, but just at the moment, there'll be a lot of venues who are closed and in Dubai. What would your advice be to some of them who... Uh, you know, mightn't see uh, better times ahead, might be thinking of closing. Uh, do you think that there's a, a time to fight and a time to give up on a project? And um, what's your kind of experience on that? Yeah, it's another great question. I would, I would say to them, hang on tight as long as you can. Keep communicating and being transparent with everyone. Don't hide. Communicate with your landlord. Say, listen, my honest situation this is where i'm at communicate with your team communicate with your suppliers <clears throat> exhaust it exhaust every possible avenue um whether it's you completely change your model into a delivery model or you change locations or you go into a satellite kitchen because you're seeing that you know your restaurant's not getting full but you're smashing it on the river for example mm really analyze the business and, and push as hard as you can down, down every avenue. Now, if it gets to a certain stage where it's just not happening, then <clears throat> in my experience, you can't get too personally in love with these businesses. You can't have ego. It's the hospitality sector, restaurant, bars, nightclubs, beach clubs, you know, opening and closing all the time. Mm. It doesn't matter how good you are you're always going to have a couple that just end up after a certain amount of time or due to a certain circumstances, just don't work. And my advice from a business perspective would, would be cut when it's the right time to cut and, and don't have shame that you've had to do that. Mm, not be emotionally attached, but also uh, put everything, yeah, do everything you can, but then probably not pivot too much. If your venue was busy beforehand, not to think, uh, not to change too much now, maybe yeah I mean adapt okay adapt to, to what you've got to deal with and what about the digital trends you mentioned Deliveroo uh, and 
at, at this time, people are writing about how travel might change, how experience might change. They're talking about lots of different things, <clears throat> software, with hardware, with things like that. Are you looking for Livet? Are you looking at, at changing anything digitally at the moment? I mean, when it comes to marketing, obviously, we're, 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 we're a huge part of um, our marketing network. Most of our marketing is, is digital, and that's an important element. When it comes to apps and, and things like that, of course, we're, you're going to have to implement some, some clever things within the venues, you know, the QR scan where it goes onto your phone and you can order from your phone to give minimal contact. I, I think that's quite nice anyway. You know, it also saves money on printing menus and things like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, th th as these things come about, of course, we'll, we'll adapt. And yeah, and also, do you have kind of loyalty programs and are you, are you building apps for Livid or for Cove Beach or is there anything like that? We are looking at, we, we've, we've got a lot of different things going on where we're, where, where, looking at turning our um, websites into e-commerce platforms, working with strategic partners, art galleries, um, fashion labels, things like that, where, where we can, um, you know, you've got that, we've got that lifestyle element on the, on the app and, and, you know, we, we can channel some good people to them and we get exposure from them, etc. cetera. Mm. Um, yeah, we're looking at, we're looking at a lot of, of, of digital things we have a, a, a good membership program at, at code beach and i'm sure um I'm, I'm sure towards the end of the year we'll be looking more seriously um into the loyalty program side of things as well interesting well i think we'll leave it there thanks very much for your time today it's great to hear the Thank background you. and the faces behind these well-known brands um, can people go to cove beach now and the bungalow or what's your kind of opening roadmap for the summer Beaches is open. Um, we're following the, the uh, guidelines, safety guidelines in place, but we're open daily mm. from uh, 10 a.m. till 10 p.m., 11 p.m., whenever the curfew is, which day you go. Uh, Bungalow is closed at the moment till September, just because it doesn't have a beach or a pool facility, so it's just very, very hot there. Um, so we're gearing up to open Bungalow in, in September and looking forward to welcoming you. Interesting. Amazing. Thanks a lot, Charlie. Good to speak to you this morning. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy.